I think I can say that in some way, shape, or form, all of us have experienced having a bad day. Right? Yeah, we can all say that we've had a bad day. Um, whether it's a particularly hard day, things just weren't clicking, there's just a weight or a heaviness or a fogginess going about the day, the excitement's just not there. Um, then notice, like, when we're having a bad day, like, everything is harder, right? The simple things that normally wouldn't bother me when I'm having a bad day, like, they get at me right in just the right kind of way, right? Everything just seems so much harder to get through when I don't have the drive, I feel the discouragement, I feel the weight of kind of trying to get through whatever I'm trying to get through, right? I think that discouragement is one of the enemies, one of the devil's favorite weapons to use against us. Because he knows if, if he can discourage us, if he can make us lose hope, if he can make us feel like there's no point to this, there's just a futility to it, it's way easier to give up following the Lord, right? If I feel that weight... If he robs me of my hope, there's nothing that's going to propel me to keep going forward through the difficulty. So he attacks us with that discouragement. And hope, not just like a, like I just, like a well-wishing, this optimistic thinking that everything's going to be okay, right? Not just this kind of um, like positive, positivity kind of hope. But hope, which is like, I know there's something good that God has in store for me, and I want that, right? Hope is something grounded in the truth. Like, for example, heaven. I don't just think of heaven because, like, I hope it all gets better one day. This, I'm, I'm not ever the optimist. Like, you know, heaven is real. That's a good that I desire, and I'm not there yet. I want to get there, and God wants me to be there. And so that hope for heaven, for example, is going to continue to propel me to go forward. Without that kind of hope, I don't have anything to, like, really root myself or to ground myself in. Right? I'm just kind of going from one thing to the next without any kind of direction, without any kind of desire or aim, right? So the enemy, the devil, wants to rob us of that, to take our anchor away, because if he does that, it's a whole lot easier to slowly take us off course. Without hope, I feel stuck. I'm in a rut. There's no purpose. The two images today we heard in the gospel, we had the image of this farmer who's, who's planting, and the image of the mustard seed. I think shows two very important things to us. Just put yourself in the place of the farmer, right? He, he does all this work, day after day, watering, planting the seeds, tilling it, fertilizing again and again and again, and he goes to bed and it wakes up and it looks the same as when he left it the day before, right? He's doing all this work day after day, and that's hard work. He doesn't see, he can go a long time without seeing any kind of fruit, he doesn't know how the harvest is going to be. Is this going to be a good year, a bad year? Is all this work going to be for nothing? It's very easy, he's primed, for that question to come in. Like, is this even worth it? Is this going to actually bear any fruit? Am I doing all this work for nothing? Why do I keep doing this? Why not just give up? Maybe I'll try something else where I can get a better tangible experience, right? The devil has those, those questions primed and ready to try to hook us to try to get us off course. The mustard seed. Jesus said, the smallest of all the seeds. Now, granted, seeds don't think, they don't have thoughts, but if a seed did have thoughts, I imagine the thoughts would be something like, you're going to grow into that kind of tree? Don't you see how small you are? You think you're going to become that? You think you can overcome that struggle? You think you're going to one day, you think you can grow that much? There's no point. Why, why do you even try? You're just going to always be the smallest. 
kind of a, a almost a playful example, but the, the, the principle holds true. Those questions are primed and ready to hook us. He looks for the devil, he knows us, he looks for our weaknesses, and he's got those, those little temptations ready to go right where he knows they're going to sting. Right where he knows they're going to go through the armor to try to hit us. We all feel that. I think it's safe to say that every single one of us, myself included, has fought those kinds of thoughts, has felt that temptation, and has believed those temptations. There's no point, right? There's no shame in experiencing that. Everybody experiences that. I'm not going to do it, but if we all raised our hands, I believe that we would all have our hands up as experiencing that thought in, one, in some way, shape, or form. The devil's smart. He knows that he can't, he can't tempt us if, if he's not going to put he's not going to tempt us with bad things. He's going to try to hook us to believe things that seem true about ourselves, right? There's two things that I think if we understand how the enemy works, it helps us to recognize his voice. Because if I see how he's working, that helps me to recognize him for who he is, to recognize that these are lies and temptations, and to reject that. The first thing is what the, what the devil does is that he likes to, he's, he's good at pulling us out of the present moment into the past and into the future, right? You did all of those things in the past, and your future has no hope. You're never going to grow beyond that or past that, right? He pulls us out of where we are right now and pulls us to the past and to the future. And what he also does is that he takes these lies, he is the father of lies, but he takes those lies and cloaks them in 90% truth. Because he knows we don't, we, we don't listen to lies. That's easy. That's too easy. So he's way better than that. He, cooks, he takes those lies and puts all kind of truths around it so that we can just kind of like grab it whole hog and believe the lie without recognizing that we believe the lie. He's smart. So for example, what does that look like? For example, the simple statement, I'm a sinner. That's true. We are all sinners. None of us is perfect. We all struggle with sin, right? I always have been a sinner and I always will be a sinner. That's true. That's, that's a true statement. We are always going to struggle with sin. We are always going to need the Lord's mercy because we're fallen people. We're fallen men and women. We have the mercy of God. Praise God. But like we're always going to have that struggle. I'm always going to struggle with sin. And no matter how, many, how much I try to pray, it doesn't seem like anything's going to change. There's, a little, there's, a, there's, there's where the deception comes in. I might pray and ask God for growth, and I may not see anything, right? But just because I don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't there. Just like just because the farmer doesn't see any, any growth in the seed doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Just because the mustard seed doesn't immediately turn into the biggest of all the trees doesn't mean that nothing's happening. What these two parables emphasize to us today is that growth, a lot of times it's slow, very slow, painfully slow, almost imperceptibly slow. If you stood and looked at a plant, you would not see a thing. You can stand and look at a plant for hours. And I bet if you stand and look at a plant for hours, I don't know if anyone's ever actually done that, I haven't, but I feel like you wouldn't notice much of anything, right? If I leave it for a week and come back, then I might notice 
a little bit of something, maybe, depending on what kind of plant it is. Growth is slow, which is hard for us to, to accept. We think that it's supposed to be instantaneous. We think that it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a saint right now. And I'm not a saint right now, and so I see the failure, I see the weight, I'm a failure, this isn't working, what am I doing wrong, I'm messing up. And that discouragement takes me off course. We have these almost impossible expectations. I think I've said this before, but I had a spiritual director who liked to speak in all these rhymes, said that one of his phrases that he would say is that expectation leads to desolation, right? I'm supposed to be at all these things, and I'm not. And so when I'm not, I'm discouraged. And God's not here, and I'm alone, and, every, and, and why, why do I keep going? Just because we don't see God acting, just because we don't feel God present, does not mean that he's not there. Just because we don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because the farmer doesn't see the, 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 the fruit of his work he knows that there's something that's going to cause that to grow. God, a lot of times, works almost imperceptibly within our hearts, a lot of times without notice, but he is always working. That truth has to be what roots us and what grounds us. And when I'm tempted to believe I am alone, he is not here, all this is for nothing, I have to go back and remind myself, no, just because I don't see it does not mean that he's not there. Because God made a promise to us that he always is going to be there. He is right with us in the present moment. He's not focusing us on our past. He's not trying to discourage us with the future. He's with us right now in this moment. He is speaking and he is acting in our hearts, even if I don't feel it. There's a reality there that I can hold on to that's deeper than what it feels like, that's deeper than my emotions. When we don't see it, he does. He sees the huge tree that's inside of that little seed, he sees the full picture. And he's all, he is always working to bring that to completion. St. Paul said in the second reading, we walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't mean that I just blindly, like I'm, I'm just a blind ignorance kind of thing. I ignore what I see and just hold on to this, this false optimism. But what that does mean is that I hold to the reality of who God is, who he's revealed himself to be, and like I hold on to that. It takes a lot of courage to walk by faith and not by sight. That faith, that depth of faith, is exactly what we pray for today. Every time we come to Mass, every time we encounter the Lord in prayer, is for that gift of faith. So that whenever I don't see God acting, I can be convicted in the surety and in the truth that He is with me. Pray for that gift of faith to be renewed in each one of our hearts today as we celebrate this Mass. Amen.